Now, our speaker today is Sam Summers. He's on staff. I'm sure lots of you know him. He's uh, always in the lobby shaking hands and meeting folks. He's, uh, his title around here is a pastor of spiritual formation, and uh, he does just that. And I uh, can't wait to uh, listen to uh, what he has to say today and share with us. So would you welcome Sam to the stage, please? We're there. Thanks, John. Good morning. It's good to have you here. You know, I'm going to be talking about a lot about storms and water and stuff like that today, but uh, last service really surprised me. Uh, first uh, Sunday, Saturday night, we had uh, maybe three people that answered yes to this question. Uh, this first service this morning, probably 30 people or more. I thought, okay, we're going in the right direction. I'll test it out on you guys. How many of you have ever been out in the ocean in a small fishing boat? You know, just a regular personal fishing boat. Would you raise your hand? Okay, that's better. What, light on this side? No, there's over there. What's a bunch over there too? Okay. Well, um, it it's, makes you feel real vulnerable when you get way out there, doesn't it? You feel like you're really kind of small in the, in the presence of the, all that water. I was uh, out of the, on the Oregon coast about seven miles out, out of Newport Bay when I was in junior high. We'd go over there every weekend, salmon fishing. And uh, it was early in the day, and I hadn't gotten seasick yet. It was coming, but I didn't. Well, not yet, okay? And uh, you ever been seasick? How many of you ever been seasick? Oh, man, it's a treat, isn't it? It's just a real treat. You get into the, to the bay again, get on the dock, you're on dry land, and you're still sick. I mean, it's the rest of the day. Anyway, I hadn't got sick yet, but my parents, I think, brought me along just so that I would get sick. Uh, uh, and during this day, I hadn't... I hadn't uh, been sharing my lunch with the rest of the fish in the ocean, but I usually did that. And uh, it seemed to help the fishing for some reason. You know, as we trolled along, I don't know, too much information, I know. So, um, but it just seemed to help, help the fishing a bit. So, we're out, this, out seven miles out, and uh, I looked over the back of the boat, and about, I don't know, a few feet back, Something caused me to have a cold sweat all over my body. There was a fin about 12 inches high cutting through the water right behind our boat, just, just uh, matching our speed. And I looked a little farther over the back of the boat, and there was the head of a hammerhead shark that was about that wide, eyes on either end, just about three feet from our prop. And he was just kind of matching our speed, watching the prop. I had two uncles on the boat with me, and uh, one of them said to the other uncle, hey, listen, I'm going to drop my bait right over the back of the boat, and when he takes it, you hit the throttle and put about 100 yards in between us and him, and we'll just kind of see what happens. <laughs> my mother was five foot two. She was a very petite woman. She looked up at both of those guys, grabbed the pole out of my uncle Lynn's hand, and said, over my dead body. She knew that if we hit that throttle, or he took that bait, and he was anywhere near our boat, uh, we could easily all be in the water with him shortly if he made any quick movements. It was a huge fish. It was about a half again as long as our boat, and we were at about an 18-foot boat. It was just a large, large fish. Well, you know, the, the, uh, the ocean's pretty unpredictable. It can be kind of dangerous at times, and... Uh, uh, it's kind of like our life. I kind of thought about this as an illustration of just saying, you know, we never quite know 
what's down, what's, you know, you never know what's underneath you in the ocean. You never quite know what's coming the next day. And I thought, you know, it'd be great to be able just to think about how to prepare for the storms of life. So um, that's kind of what we're talking about today. The, the Apostle Paul, who wrote 13 of the New Testament books, uh, used a lot of what he uh, had as illustrations from some of his dangerous times in his life as well. A lot of them were on the ocean. He talks about anchors. He talks about storms in our life and all kinds of things. But um, he drew a lot of spiritual lessons and illustrations and word pictures from his experience. And I'd like us to take a look at three things today, three objects that I hope it'll, you'll kind of be able to hang on to and it'll, the truths that those relate to will stick with you. One's a bottom anchor, one's a sea anchor, and one are oars that you use to row with, okay? Let's just take a look at, at uh, Acts 27, uh, 13 through 20, and then a couple other verses as well. Uh, Paul's on his way to Rome in this ship, and they're trying to beat some of the storms. And they're down, if you know where the island of Crete is, they're going south under the island of Crete when this passage is, was written. Um, let's see, starting at verse 13 would be fine. When a, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up the anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of a typhoon's, of typhoon's strength called a nor'easter burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they just gave up and let, the, let it run with the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of, uh, of a small island named Cauda, uh, where uh, with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat. Being, uh, which are being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it, and they were afraid of being driven across the sandbar of, of Cirrus, um, excuse me, Syrtis, off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor, you can remember that word if you would, lower the sea anchor to slow the ship down, and yet they were still driven by the wind. The next day, as a gale force wind continued to batter the ship, they, the crew began to throw cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible, wind, uh, terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last all hope was gone. And about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed that land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A little later, they, they measured again and found that it was 90 feet deep. And at this rate, they were afraid that they would soon be driven against the rocks uh, along the shore. So they threw out four, what would be equivalent to bottom anchors, four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. <laughs> Tough time in their life. The ocean can be a dangerous place. There are two types of anchors that, that they listed here. One was that bottom anchor, one was sea anchors. Now, bottom anchor is what we're usually familiar with, isn't it? Bottom anchor is heavy metal, <clears throat> drops quickly to the bottom of the, of the ocean or the bottom of the lake or wherever we are, grabs a hold of something solid and holds us steady no matter what's going on up above us. Wind, rain, uh, waves, that anchor keeps us steady and secure. The other anchor is a sea anchor. It's kind of a parachute style apparatus and it opens up and it's caught by the, the ocean or the, the uh, water current and pulls us along with wherever the current is going. It has some good purposes, but you're, I want you to remember this, folks. You will go wherever the current is taking you. So I'd like to ask you this morning, uh, when you look 
That's your lifestyle. And what type of spiritual anchor, I'd like to ask you what type of spiritual anchor you have in your life and how do you, what kind of anchor do you use when you deal with storms? And is it effective in your life? Is that working for you? It's not a question of whether uh, a storm's going to come. It's only a question of when. We live in a fallen world and we never quite know what's going on and it's good to be prepared, isn't it? They will come. And if we compared your life and mine to... uh, a ship at sea, uh, these two types of uh, anchors illustrate how people choose to operate when the storms hit their life. So let's look at that bottom anchor first, if we would. Have you ever noticed that some people, when, when something tragic happens to them or a crisis comes into their, li- into their life, something they can't handle, they have no solution for it, that they seem to stay pretty steady. They seem to stay uh, kind of uh, level in their emotions and they kind of handle it pretty well. Um, they, they, uh, they manage those storms well. I, I guess uh, the time that popped up into my mind that uh, I was thinking of when, that, when I read that uh, account of that storm was the, when my uh, daughter and her husband, my oldest daughter, Julie, and her husband were just married two or three years and doing great. He was a deputy sheriff and she was going through her master's degree. And Alex kind of had some symptoms. He wasn't sure... Uh, of and uh, went to the doctor. It was just a normal day. He went into the doctor and uh, the diagnosis was Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's a white blood uh, cell cancer and uh, the treatment was a lot of things but one of the things was nine months of chemotherapy. You know folks I watched them as much as I could. We went out and visited them a couple times and talked to them on the phone as they're going through this and Alex began to get uh, tireder and lost some of his hair and kind of had dark circles under his eyes. And it's just a hard time for them. But on their bad days and on their good days, I saw them maintain a pretty level posture. They didn't get bitter towards God. They kept their love for each other going and their relationship. They didn't have any kids at that time, so they just kind of hunkered down took hold of what they knew was true, and hung in there. Well, Julie finished her master's degree during that time. Alec went through the nine months of chemotherapy. And I realized that it's not always, this is not always the case. So I'm not trying to present anything as a, as a quick cure for any trouble in our life. But my concern is what kind of character we have as we go through the storms of life. Alex is cancer-free, and that chemotherapy is supposed to clean you up pretty good, but... They have four kids and uh, doing well. I'm real happy about that. But I'll tell you, it doesn't always happen that way. But we can guarantee one thing. Who goes with us through that and how we operate during that time can be stable and secure if we want it to be. During those times, we need an anchor. There are many times in the Apostle Paul's life when he admits that all he knew was that God uh, was good. And he was faithful. And, he, and Paul decided to keep a clear conscience between him and God and do what was right in God's sight and leave his future in God's hands. His relationship with Jesus was his anchor. I saw that in Alex and Julie's life. I see that in other people's life as well. Hebrews uh, six nineteen and 20 says this. So God has given us uh, both his promise and his oath. And these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. 
Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can um, have great, see, fled to him for refuge, have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. That hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. It leads us through the curtain into God's sanctuary. And Jesus has already gone there. He's become our eternal high priest. I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus being your high priest or if you've read Hebrews, but if you want to get a taste of that, Hebrews is the, is the great book on Jesus being the one who is your high priest, who prays for you daily. If you're wondering if anybody cares, Jesus is the one you can turn to. God's promises are attached to the reality that Jesus is alive and he loves you. It's important for us to remember that he is our high priest during those times and that, um, that we can go to him and receive that solidarity and security that we need because someone is aware of what we're going through. And I'll tell you, Jesus is aware and he's awake. He's your anchor. Now another part of, of the anchor of your life that you go, goes down and you can solidly hold on to is the Bible's promises. What the Bible says and what we're to do and not do during a hard time is in here. One person put it this way, you know, when everything is chaotic, you just choose to do the next right thing. The next right thing. How do you find out what that is? I would lobby for this book. To find out what God wants you to do, stay in the Word and find out what He has for you to do with your life and with What's going on in your life? Keeping in contact with God, receiving, receiving counsel from the Bible, means that we make time for that. And to prepare for a storm, we have to make time to be with God in quiet times. To pray and talk to Him, complain to Him, like John was talking about. Tell, tell God what's going on. But sometimes we just need to be quiet. Not say anything. Just listen to God. And then beyond that, get in the Word. Get in the Bible personally. Read it yourself. Don't let somebody on a radio station or a TV station or on this platform be the only place that you get spiritual nourishment and guidance. Get in the Bible yourself. When you invest this kind of time, you make preparation for storms. When you're in a crisis time then, drop your anchor. Your relationship with God and your time in the Word give you that stability and solidarity <clears throat> to keep you steady in the storm. And the second type of anchor is that sea anchor, and it pretty much tells us what not to do. Okay? If you can follow me there. It's pulled along by the current, isn't it? Underneath the ship. Uh, it has some purposes at times, but... What you have to realize is where the current is going is not always where you want to end up, right? All right. When you compare this to the way some people live their lives and who, who uh, would say they're, they're Christians, you'd find that they often look like they're following Christ, but actually their values and their decisions, um, well, the best way I can put it is that they're just, they're just not, they, they're following the culture rather than what the Bible would say and what a relationship with Christ would lead them into. They have an intellectual belief in God, in Jesus, in heaven, and they have a lot of spiritual beliefs, but they're not necessarily attached to the Word. 
And they're definitely not attached to what God would have for them on a daily basis in a relationship. They kind of do their own thing. They don't want to feel the pressure of going against the current of the culture they're in. So they, they just kind of go along with the culture. They kind of go with the flow. They kind of want to fit in. And where, whatever they're in that day, they kind of adapt to that rather than following Christ. And even when it's difficult, uh, do what God would have them to do with their life. They're more comfortable with just fitting in. When you live like this and the storms of life converge on you, there's a real uncertainty in your life. And not knowing how to deal with that. When we haven't kept, haven't kept our relationship with, with God current and real, we, instead of turning to God, we often hear things like this. I've heard it many times in hospital rooms. You know, I, I think this has come upon me because God is punishing me. God is punishing me. You know, folks, God loves you. We live in a fallen world. And I think God gets just tired of being blamed for this stuff. God loves you, and he wants to go with you through these times. He's not just punishing you. Something else I always hear is, well, you know, if God, is, if God loved me, or if God's a God of love, what's he doing letting this come into my life? That's a fair question. It's also a fair statement to say we live in a fallen world. And there are tons of verses here that tell us what to do when those troubles come into your life and how to manage them. Well, the question they question God's love and motives, in summary. They've drifted away from their walk with God and gone with the currents of the day. They haven't lived each day to honor God, and they're not loyal to Him when it comes to making decisions. And so they're very vulnerable to, to doubts and questions in their life. And the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us again that it is in our best interest to pay attention to what God has said. In Hebrews 2.1, he says this, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. And that drifting, in the, in the Greek language, has to do with flowing alongside, moving, moving by something without attaching to it, or sliding by without paying attention to something solid that you're going by on shore. You know, it's interesting, interesting word, isn't it? Usually we don't wake up in the morning and just kind of reject our faith, right? It's usually a, a, uh, a subtle thing. And you, you could probably find uh, a lot of examples. People that you know that you kind of go, well, when this happened, they started to kind of drift from their commitment to, to Christ or to the, to the Bible. When this happened or this happened, we can make a long list. But I might just summarize it for you this morning and say that most of them, sometimes there's a crisis that causes a person to be bitter at God, and I realize that. But many times the drifting happens like this. We just don't do anything. Drifting happens when you do nothing spiritually. Excuse me. When you stop investing in your spiritual life, when you stop rowing, when you cut the engine, you will drift. And a sea anchor is of no help. You, you may be going with the flow. And essentially, doing nothing... Uh, means that we, we stop doing things like uh, spending time with God or, or loving God or being loyal to Him. 
Lack of daily contact with God and a commitment to being loyal is just obviously going to cause us to drift. So what can a person do if they're drifting? If you look at your life right now and you kind of go, I know that I'm not quite where I have been spiritually or in an area of my life, I've drifted away from a loyalty to God in that area. What can we do about that? Well, James 4, 7 and 8 says it has to do with humility. We have to admit where we are. And it says this, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, sinners. If you're sinning in an area, we can, we can choose to stop that. Choose to do what is right in God's sight. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That divided loyalty will cause you to drift. We can return if we choose to be loyal again. You can return to your first love. And with the Bible as your source of what you know is right and good and true. The sea anchor just simply reminds us that we can't go wherever the culture is pulling you. You just can't do that. I'd just like to summarize it with just a, a homey little statement. You know, many times when you're going with the flow, folks, you're actually finding out later that you're going down the drain. You know? You ever experienced that? Man, I wish I'd have made that change earlier. Didn't realize where I was going. Well, the third area has to do with oars. This is the point of having a boat and the point of having purpose in life is to get somewhere, right? To get to point A, from point A to point B. Well, I've talked to a lot of people who said, you know, I just feel like I am, I'm working at uh, doing things and I'm trying to live for God, but, but I, I don't feel like I'm making very much progress. I feel like I'm just kind of sitting still sometimes. Uh, you're living a life uh, as, Christ, as a Christ follower and yet you don't see any really incredible things happening. You know, no skyrockets and Roman candles going on. Well, um, you try to honor God, but really who cares? And what, what difference does it make anyway? I'm, you know, I'm just rowing away here. Can, can I say this to you? I want to remind you as a Christ follower, daily faithfulness matters. Daily Loyalty and faithfulness to God matters. The benefits of living a godly life are incredible, even if you're not seeing them right now. If you're, if you're questioning whether you're doing the right thing each day or you're weary of kind of going against the flow and kind of resisting the temptations that come your way, I thought maybe this uh, quick uh, clip of a transatlantic crossing <clears throat> might be an encouragement to you, okay, if you've been rowing and feeling like you have no progress. Uh, in 2003, Jamie Fitzgerald and Kevin Bigger uh, set out with 19 other boats, two-man boats, on a transatlantic race. Started off the west coast of Africa, heading west to Barbados. About a 2,500-mile or 4,000-kilometer race. And on the second day, a hurricane-type storm caught up with them, and this is kind of what it looked like. Let's take a look at this video. Starting the ocean race was fantastic. Fantastic. So exciting. The problem with it, and I'm not going to tell you about every single day, but the very worst day was the absolute pits. Absolute pits. We were wanting to row 5,000 kilometers that way, rowing backwards as you do. <clears throat> but what was happening was that these head currents came up and headwinds came up and tried pushing us back to the start line. And we had a GPS in front of us that showed us how fast we were going. Now, Kevin and I had a shift pattern 
that every single minute of the day someone was rowing. Every single minute of the day someone was meant to be rowing, and sometimes both of us. But that was what our routine was like. But the storms and winds started coming up. We had an alternative, and there were 19 other crews that were going through this. We had an alternative. The first option was to put out a big sea anchor like a parachute. Put that in the water, and, it, and the wind tries pushing you backwards, but it can't because you've been gripping a hold of some ocean. But those head currents were there, remember, and it was actually going to start dragging us backwards. Sea anchors. You need to stay away from them, I suppose you could say that. As a follower of Christ, there's going to be storms and trouble, even at times on the good days. And there will be times when you feel that you're making no progress, folks. The point is, don't give in to the current and the counsel of this world. Stay in the Word. Maintain your love for God. Your time in the Scriptures, your prayers, your godly lifestyle. When it seems like you're not making any progress, at the minimum, can I say this? At the minimum, at the minimum, at the minimum, you are escaping the results of an ungodly life. We could come up with 10,000 examples if we all sat down and wrote them down together of people who have not followed God's ways, who've been not loyal to Him, and people who've never even known Him and have followed ungodly currents in their life, ungodly counsel, and it has ruined their lives. At a minimum, as a Christ follower, you're escaping those things. Let's go for the maximum. At the max, there's going to be a day when you and I die. That's a lovely thought, isn't it? Your heart's going to stop. I'm going to lay you down. Your spirit leaves your body. And not long after that, folks, everything that God has planned for you and prepared for you is going to be appearing before your, your eyes. You're going to be reminded of why you rode, why you loved God, why you committed your life to Christ. It's all going to appear before you. And it's going to be worth the effort. The Apostle Paul said he had many setbacks in his life, and he said at the end, toward the end of his life, looked over his shoulder, and as he wrote a letter to a young man in the ministry named Timothy, he says this, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race, and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look for, forward to his appearing. That's everybody in this room that loves Christ. <clears throat> Jamie Fitzgerald is the fellow that you, on the voice of the last video, but he summed it up pretty well in a little segment here, and I'm going to let him uh, do that, and then, and then we'll close today. But uh, um, watch this clip and kind of think about whether or not uh, rowing is worth it, staying in the game is worth it. Hi, I'm Jamie Fitzgerald, entrepreneur and adventurer. We all have tough days. Let me tell you about one I've had recently. In 2003, I was rowing across the Atlantic Ocean in a tiny rowboat with Kevin Bigger, 5,000 kilometers between Africa and America. On day two, it was the worst day of the entire trip. Day one was great. Flat seas, calm skies, everything was wonderful. We were rowing 16 hours each every day. 
an hour and a half on, an hour off. Day two came around. I won't tell you about every single day of the trip. They were awfully similar. Day two came around, and it was the worst of the entire lot. Headwinds coming up, head currents coming along, pushing us back to the start line. And here we are, rowing our way towards Barbados. Kevin and I realised we had a choice. What we could have done was put out a sea anchor, a big parachute that goes in the water, and with the wind pushing you backwards, you can't because you're holding onto the ocean. We tried it for five minutes, and we realised those head currents were pushing us backwards. So after five minutes, we said, no thanks. We pulled it in. We said to one another, what's the alternative? We didn't know what all of the other crews were doing, 19 crews deciding their own fate. We decided, let's keep on rowing. We changed our shift pattern, re-geared re our oars, redistributed some of the weight around the boat, but for 39 hours, fundamentally, we kept rowing. After 40 hours, we called our manager and asked how our progress was going. We hadn't moved anywhere over the face of the earth. He looked on the internet and he could see where we were compared to every other crew. And these were his words. He said, fellas, however you're dealing with this race, don't stop. Don't stop the process and the way that you're deciding how to deal with these tough days. Every other crew decided to put out their sea anchor and now you're 30 miles in front because everyone else has gone backwards. So we haven't moved anywhere and we're in front of the race, in front of the fleet by 30 miles. After 40 days, 5 hours, 31 minutes, we reach Barbados, break the world record and win the race. The distance between first and second? 32 miles. Who would have thought that on day number two, the decision that we made to keep rowing could arguably affect the outcome of the race? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought that. So it got me thinking. Sometimes when we think that tough times are all around us and things are really difficult, we need to keep in mind the conditions are often the same for absolutely everyone. So can I put this to you? Today, you have a choice. You can either put out the sea anchor or you can keep rowing. <laughs> that was a close race, man. Second person, only 30 miles behind. That's great. Photo finish. You know, it, you don't even realize where you are until you kind of finish the race. Whether you're in the storm right now or in the best days of your life, keep rowing. Keep doing the right thing. Choose to do the right thing, the next right thing, even in the midst of a storm. You know, God shows up when we act. If you'll notice that in Scripture, that's a principle. God always shows up when we act, when we put out faith and we say, I'm going to do the right thing, God enters into that with us. And if you're being loyal to God and doing the best that you can and, and uh, honoring God with your life, uh, let me just say this to you as well. <laughs> you are doing better than you realize. You are doing better than you realize. You're 30 miles ahead of everybody else and you don't even know it. Keep rowing. Love God. Stay in the Bible. There may be some times in your life when, you, when things are so bad, you do have to drop your anchor and just hang on to what you know is true about God, about His faithfulness to you, and that you may just need to, to weather that intense time in your life. But in other times, in all of the times, keep rowing.
you are already winning. Would you set your stuff aside for just a minute and get in a posture of prayer? If you're in a storm today and you you are literally in a crisis and you have a kind of chaotic time in your life going on, I pray that that you would uh, take the counsel of Paul and everybody else in Scripture who says, hey, God remains with you. Put out your anchor. Hold on to what you know is true. Don't blame God or get bitter. And weather that storm with Jesus as your high priest and the one who walks with you through that. If you've drifted away a bit and you know that there are areas of your life that you haven't uh, been loyal to God in, it might be an, an entire lifestyle, but it might be just an area of your life. And you know that really you, it, the best thing you could do would be to, to return. Come close to God. He will come close to you. If you've done that, if you've drifted away this morning and you'd like to say, I'd, like to, I'd just like to make a commitment that I'm going to return, whether in a single area or in a lifestyle in general, to honoring God with my life, I'm going to get back in the Word. Would you just raise your hand and look up at me and say, I'm going to make that commitment this morning. I want to do that. You bet. Thank you. Yes. God bless you guys. Yes. Yes. You bet. Yes. God bless you. You bet you guys. Nice going. Being honest with God is great. God bless you both. Yes. There has to be a time when we change course and return if we've drifted or we will drift away and, and reap the, the negative results of that. Father, I pray for these folks. Uh, we thank you so much for just an opportunity in the week to be quiet and and admit to you that there are some things that we just need to work on, that we need to uh, have clarity on. And I pray for these folks that have raised their hands and want to return to you. Lord, would you just encourage them right now that you have never, you have never left them. And how much, how much you love them. So we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, for even the goodness of reminding us on this day that we have the ability to return. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for going ahead of us. You are our great high priest. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.